Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. Traditional Chinese medicine is part of our modern medical landscape in the realm of alternative medicine. Even though it is not especially well studied from an academic standpoint and not endorsed by much of the Western medical establishment, It's not our goal today to go full New Age and vouch for acupuncture or herbal remedies, but given the persistence of these traditional practices into the modern age, it would be ridiculous for us to dismiss them either. Traditional Chinese medicine is over 2,000 years old, and people are still doing it in China, America, Europe, Australia, and across the globe. Traditional Western medical theories about the humors and bloodletting, by contrast, were abandoned centuries ago. So the question for us is, why has traditional Chinese medicine survived? What does it contribute to our modern medical landscape that we, as a culture, not our medical community necessarily, have carved out a place for it? Is it a valid means for healing? And what makes it tick? What kind of things constitute Chinese medicine in like like in our pop culture? Like uh is incense like a type of Chinese medicine? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, mostly acupuncture and and herbal remedies. Okay, cool. Like what kind of, like ginseng and whatnot? What what did we use for herbal remedies? Yeah, that that counts. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll include ginseng, but also other things. I don't know, turmeric, I don't I don't other things. I don't, I don't know those things. You don't know turmeric? Nope. Ginseng? Mm-mm. Ginkoba biloba? Mm-mm. Yes. Who was um, King no, Koba biloba? Head, no. uh, he lived. He was the king of the jungle. What? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Rob C. Thompson. I am the supreme hierophant of our secret order of alchemical actors. Uh, we are joined this day, as always, by our grand master, Olivia Literal. Are you guys, like, doing okay? <laughs> We've been doing some Chinese ginkgo biloba. I'm, like, offended, and I'm not even, like, practicing <laughs> Chinese medicine. <laughs> and I'm as soon as James. <laughs> On behalf of, of all Chinese medical practitioners, you're yeah. offended. Oh, good. I feel like it's somebody's going like to do that. Bull testicles. <laughs> no, that's, you're offending them. No, that's like a thing. For what? For uh, erectile dysfunction? I don't know, but it was on something. Yeah, I've I definitely watched. heard that before. All right, I'm open to this. I'm just talking about the theory today. I don't have actual remedies for anyone. They use a lot of animal body parts, don't they? Like crushed up. It's the same thing as like pregnant ladies eating their placenta, right? That is a thing. Yeah. That is not medically proven, but people think it works. Uh, Chinese medicine. Wait, women eat their placentas while they're still pregnant? No. <laughs> no. That's what you made it sound like. I'm just saying. <laughs> James well. Kaplangis, our captain <laughs> yes. of the table. Uh, howdy, folks. <laughs> and Shannon Lanters, our instaquisitor. That's me. Happy spooky season. That's right. Fall has begun. Yeah. This is our time. Boy, we're going to be busy, aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't confirm. I got a, a this cool little cup from Starbucks that has a bunch of different spooky things on it. So I'm ready. I'm ready for October. What What are we talking about as far as spooky things are concerned? Like, well, uh... There's a snake. <laughs> your new favorite 
<laughs> reptile. Why is that what the spookiest thing on that cup? <laughs> is that it? Is it just different kinds I, of snakes? No, just one. Is it wearing a witch's hat? No, but there's also other things with it. It's like a little collage of spooky things. The snake is just my favorite of all the is it at least poisonous i don't know (laughs) i like yes i like red touches yellow that's poisonous (laughs) the whole cup is black and white i don't know that's not accurate there's also there are no black and white snakes only shades of gray there are no black and white snakes only shades of gray we, the members of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. This is going to be a surreal episode, isn't it? It's already off to a start. I'm so that, confused already. I, I don't know what's happening, and I have a PhD in all this stuff. Do shrooms count as Chinese medicine? You guys keep asking these questions. I do not no, have the answer. I'd imagine the answer would be yes if the right? shrooms were from China. Anything that's from China could be Chinese medicine. I, I like I'm that, just James. Thanks. If yeah. What? Open that's up, accepted. It. Uh, in I'm that a, realm. Uh, it, 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 the hallucinogens don't come up because it's not really about that. But mm-hmm. we'll reflect on the possibilities after you guys have heard how this works. Oh, I but guess. first, let's open up the plugs. Plug, plug, plug! <laughs> you took Olivia's oh job. God. Wow, he jumped right in there. Okay, well, they're open. Sorry, Olivia. Sorry about that. That is rough. All right, let's talk about our sources today. We have The Web That Has No Weaver by Ted Kopchuk. Uh, What? Nothing. All right. Traditional Chinese Medicine, colon, Heritage and Adaptation by Paul Unschuld, and The Theory of Chinese Medicine, colon, A Modern Interpretation by Hai Hong. Olivia, get on in here. Tell us about the merch. We have merch. That <laughs> you better Woo! believe it, you folks. You threw me off. This you... is what the plugs are for, to okay, sell but you things. Didn't tell me we were going to have We're always going to do this now. Okay, 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 okay. All right. We have merch. Um, you can find it on our website. That's the only way, right? Yeah, just click on merch. Yep. What's the website? Occultconfessions.com. Cool. You said it at the top of the episode, James. And if you don't know by now, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, we have merch, and it's pretty sick. And if you do get merch and you like, if you buy it, send me a picture once you get it and we'll post it too. Yes. That's a side note. I'd love to post it. Oh yeah. Shannon will post it. Woo. Or Olivia can post it. um, We'll all post it. Yeah. Olivia will just post it on her personal Facebook and Instagram page. Just so I can look at it. Every member of the Cold Confessions crew will post this picture of you. (laughs) (laughs) We hear pledge. Oh no. Easy. Easy now. Easy now. Uh, all right, so we also want to plug our Patreon special series. It's our first special series. We mentioned it last time, and it is now live on our patron Patreon page, uh, our first episode about the devil's music. This is going to be a three-episode series. We'll be dropping episodes every few weeks, uh, and this is about the devil's guitar, relationship between the devil and the guitar. We'll be getting to Aleister Crowley and Voodoo and all their relationships with rock music. Cool. <laughs> I'm not going to correct you every time. All right, right that's, I'm just wearing you down Crow- through my persistence. I know within my heart what it is because he speaks to me in my soul. 
I know in my heart, Olivia, that if you don't hurry up and close up these plugs, James will. I didn't even open them. Plug, plug, plug. Who let him in? (laughs) (laughs) Who let this guy into the the page? Thank you. Into the episode. All right. So speaking of letting people shine, it is time for me to get out of the way. Uh, We're going to start today's episode. Like right away, I'm getting out of here. I'm done. See you, Rob. Yeah, see you next time, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get out of the way because we have our silver-tongued shadow. I almost called him a silver-tongued serpent because Shannon's got me all thrown off. Oh, wait. He's a shadow, and he's silver. If he were a serpent, he'd be gray. And he's going to give us... I'm talking about Brandon Walls. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what we're doing. Uh, He's... What's up with the gray snakes? Is that just a- I just started and I can't let it go now that it's happening. If you keep talking about gray snakes, I'm going to start talking about the grays and I'm going to start talking about reptilians and I'm going to start talking about how all the snakes... Oh no, oh no, it has to end. Brandon, get in here. Brandon Walls, our silver tongue shadow, who's going to give us a not-so-brief history of traditional Chinese medicine. Buckle up. Hi, right, hello. Thank you for having me back here. Good to have you, Brandon. So, but before I start, I read through this beforehand, so thank you for not putting too many complicated words into this. You not mean so Chinese brief. words? Yeah, Chinese words that are complicated. What? <laughs> I, I'm not so brief. I don't brief. think they are. If well, they are Chinese. The language. Right? If, you, if you're Chinese, they're not complicated at all. I agree, Shannon. <laughs> a, a not so brief history of traditional Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine is over 2,000 years old, dating to the end of the Warring States period. Just as China was unified and organized by the Imperial Emperor, the body was theorized as a microcosm of the state that could be similarly managed. Yeah, so the Emperor brought China together, and so Chinese medicine was supposed to follow that model by bringing your body in line the way the Emperor brought China in line. And this applied a kind of Confucian vision of order, ritual, and management into the medical context. Before the advent of this new medicine, the ancient Chinese thought for a long time that they had little or no control over their health. Their fates were determined, at least in part, by the actions and influence of their ancestors going back nine generations. Yeah, we've sort of come full circle on this, because now we just call that DNA. And demons, the spirits of those who had died wrongfully, would terrorize them because of the grudge they bore against humanity. Yeah, and we've come full circle there too, because, uh, no we haven't. We don't have demons. Hopefully. DNA. Heaven also played a role in controlling the fortunes of the individual. Early Taoists, in lines with Chinese medicinal uh, theories, tended to believe in demons and their impact on human life, as well as their ancestor spirits, and they allowed for the use of medicinal herbs and other remedies. They believed that illness is inevitable and unpredictable, and so medicines needed to be developed to treat it. The new theorists departed from pharmacological solutions, substituting in treatments meant to balance the body's natural rhythms. These included forms of acupuncture and massage. Yeah, so Confucians believed sort of essentially that civilization was required to rein in the body, intervention. Whereas the Taoists believed that humans are naturally good and that nature is... uh, privileged as as the 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 standard that we're shooting toward so we want to be more natural and return to our natural state it's civilization that corrupts us so really within chinese medicine we see the pro-civilization confucians and the pro-nature taoists warring with each other for control of the philosophy a class of new medical practitioners with a confucian flavor to their thinking sought to wrestle these amorphous and uncontrollable forces into a manageable system 
These new theorists were separated in time from the old Taoists, who preceded them by several hundred years. The new Confucian-style doctors placed the human spirit in the blood and the ki, the life force, literally the steam rising from the rice, that's the translation. Yeah, uh, some folks pronounce it qi as well, so either way. Major organs contain spirits that are held in place through the power of qi. Emotions impact the internal organization of qi and can spend it out, so this new Chinese medicine taught that they must be controlled in order to control and maintain the internal spirits. If these spirits get loose, it can invite an overabundance of other forces like cold, wind, or dampness into the void which causes disease. Yeah, you can't let your, your chi get out of, out of whack, or you're going to get all windy in your parts. Mm-mm. The Yellow Emperor's Inner Classic is the oldest known book to articulate this new nature-based medical theory. It was compiled between 100 and 200 CE and is credited to the Yellow Emperor Huang Di and his teacher Qi Bo, representing a dialogue between them. Yeah, except that Qi Bo is always smarter than the Yellow Emperor, who was supposed to be this legendary hero who was all, you know, knowing and good. But then along comes this doctor, and it's just this dialogue where he keeps telling the Yellow Emperor, you know what you're talking about. It's like this. So he's just, like, taking credit for everything, essentially. Ooh, he is the legendary jo- Dr. Qi Bo, Brandon. I mean... That's fair. Yeah. Nature follows the Tao, or the Way, and humans were meant to model themselves on this example. Ancestor spirits and demons were no longer responsible for the ill health or bad luck. These were called by failing to harmonize with the laws of nature. The natural laws revolved around the balance of yin and yang, which became the focus of the doctor's art. The doctor diagnosed and prescribed according to the effort to balance the yin and yang forces in the body. During the Song Dynasty, scholars sought to unify the medicinal theory with the natural theory by categorizing the traditional medicines according to the principles of yin and yang, but there was little agreement over these categorizations which led to a significant regional differences in the practice of traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah, China often, I mean, it's a big country, so just like you have your southern food and your northern pizza, mm-hmm. same thing in China. You have various different iterations of theater and opera and food and medicine. And in this case, in, in a hot region, for example, a medicine believed to instill hot qualities was rarely prescribed, even if it was recorded as an effective cure in colder regions. Medicinal theory tended to be disease-based as opposed to the natural theory, which looked at the condition of each individual patient before prescribing a treatment. The Communist Party decided to keep Chinese medicine, but in the words of founder Mao Zedong, to excavate and recover only those elements that are rational and useful. Yeah, so for example, the treatment of pain was useful as far as Chinese medicine was concerned. Uh, but during the communists, uh, or as, as the communists came to, to take power, they would use Western medicine for things like, you know, surgeries and stuff. The same reasons we use it. They would just incorporate Chinese medicine for pain management and that sort of stuff. However, not all the ancient therapeutic practices hold water in the light of modern Western medicine. But Chinese medicine has also traveled far from its country of origin and now has a substantial presence in the West. Yeah, tell us how we got there, Brandon. <laughs> well, in the early 1970s, border disputes with the USSR caused the People's Republic of China to look to the United States, their former enemy, as a potential ally against the Russians. Yeah, so the Russians, historically, for those of you who are not all into your Cold Wars, like we are here at Occult Confessions, <laughs> uh, the Russians would like just 
from the from Stalin on, they were just like looking around for countries to be communists. And if you were communist, they would swoop in and like be your best buddy, and give you bunches of stuff. But then, so this, for the long time, they were the patrons of the Chinese, going all the way back to the 1940s. But then, when they started to fight with the Chinese, because un- inconveniently they shared these borders that they weren't so sure of, the Chinese were like, "All right, Russia, screw you guys. We're talking to Richard Nixon." So it's basically more of like a case of. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, more Richard or less. Richard Nixon, yes. True. <laughs> Nixon's always going to be there when you need him. Where is he now? Right behind you. <gasps> <gasps> he's just, Nixon! He's just waving around peace symbols like... <laughs> <laughs> Diplomatic relations were eased, U.S. citizens were permitted to visit China, and American table tennis players became a part of major thawing between the former rivals when they arrived for a tournament as featured in the movie Forrest Gump. Yeah, ping pong is a major diplomatic tool. We don't give it its due. Hmm. In 1971, Henry Kissinger, U.S. Secretary of State under Richard Nixon... Oh, behind you. Oh, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> look, look out, look out. Don't worry. He arrived in Beijing to prepare for the president's visit the following year. Kissinger was trailed by a journalist named James Reston. Reston contracted appendicitis while in China and was prescribed acupuncture for his post-operative care, which did help with the pain. When I first read this, I thought they just prescribed acupuncture to help his appendicitis. To cure his appendicitis. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? No, they did the normal Western medicine thing, and then they pulled in the acupuncture afterwards to deal with the post-op pain. His experience landed on the front page of the New York Times on July 26th of the same year. This began the West's fascination with needle therapy and opened the door for the practice of Chinese medicine throughout America and Europe. And that's a not-so-brief history of traditional Chinese medicine. Very nice. Encore! That's all. We gotta do the the episode. Uh, Yeah, so it, it is true that a New York Times article sort of unleashed the wave of Chinese medicine on American culture. But we have to bear in mind that it's 1971. So we're sort of in the height of counterculture, rise of New Age-ism, and a fascination with the East. There's, you know, Indian yogis speaking at Woodstock two years earlier, and the importation of all these, you know, different spiritual practices from the East. We went through a a big... um, focus on Eastern practice in the 1880s and 1890s, and then it sort of got dormant and it came back really in force following World War II. So uh, let's get over to the theory now of Chinese medicine. Now that we've talked about where it came from, let's talk about how it works. How does it work? Good question, James. I'm glad you asked. The governing principle (laughs) is that disease is caused by disharmony. The human body, like the wider natural world of which it is a part, is a balance of yin and yang forces. When one comes to dominate the other, it causes a disharmony that herbs and acupuncture can be employed to recalibrate and correct. This is a very complex and detailed process because the broad yin and yang of the whole person is broken down into its own subcomponents of yin and yang. So your yin has a yin and a yang, and your yang has a yin and a yang, and the yin of your yin has a yin and a yang. And the yin of your yin of your yin is the yin. Do you see? Yeah, I, I think I'm beginning to see. It's kind of like one of those pictures of a picture of a picture of a picture. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's the inception of Chinese medicine. Yeah, you just burrow down inside of the different yins and yangs. 
The forces yin and yang are opposite, but they're also deeply interconnected. They support and sustain each other and are perpetually transforming into each other. Uh, that's the meaning of the traditional Taoist symbol of the black and the white with the dot in each and what the, the motion of it is the transformation of yin and yang and back again. Except black and white doesn't exist. It's just different, different shades, shades, shades of, of gray. gray. That's yes. only for snakes. Oh, yeah. James is right. That's a <laughs> snake-based <laughs> truth. Nice. <laughs> no, but I love this idea of the yin and the yang and how complex it is because life is complex. And I think a lot of times when we're looking for you know, symbols or whatever to kind of make our lives, you know, simpler. It's just not that simple. Life is not one or the other. It's a mixture of everything. Yeah, I think it's complex in its simplicity that it is just these two forces that are constantly transforming to each other, but grasping, like you're saying, James, the fullness of this symbol and its meaning is a very deep spiritual and intellectual process that we can never get to the bottom of. So for those of you uh, who are not familiar with yin and yang uh, and their meaning, basically we can think of yin as the passive to yang's active, yin as the receptive to yang's transformative, yin as the feminine to yang's masculine. That's sort of the best way to characterize them. Because, as James is pointing out, they're complex in their individuality, but they basically represent these, these two poles. The organs themselves are divided into yin and yang. There are yin organs, there are yang organs. Yin organs are heart, lungs, spleen, liver, and kidneys. You writing this down? Yang organs, because you're going to have to do surgery on me later, Chinese medicine style. Are you serious? No. Oh. Yang organs are gallbladder, stomach, small and large intestines, bladder, and the triple burner. What? Can you say that again? The triple burner? (laughs) The triple burner. Where, where is my triple burner? Well, James, if I had to locate it, I would say that your triple burner is uh, the pathway between the organs that regulate water. That sounded like you read it. No, I, I just, that was off the top of my head. I was, I didn't know that that question would come up today. Oh, that's, okay, so it's like a urinary tract kind of deal. It is sort of, um, maybe like a lymphatic system. It's the lungs, the spleen, the kidneys, uh, the small intestine, and the bladder. Those, those are the ones that the Chinese medicine believes has this water pathway. Oh, cool. It's an organ that only exists in Chinese medicine, which is why we're all hearing of it for the first time. So notice that the brain, by the way, doesn't have a place. Uh, doesn't even come into the picture, not something we're concerned about. We've got to keep in mind when we're talking about organs in Chinese medical context that they're not really the physical organs in our bodies. They approximate these organs, but they're more like characters in a complex drama that have certain personalities and functions, but can only be fully understood in the abstract rather than the literal. So let's uh, hear a little bit from our organs. Oh, this is fun. I love this stuff. Lungs? Yes, stomach? Is it hot in here or is it just me? I don't feel anything. Let me ask the heart. Fine here. No time to chat. You're not warm. The stomach's just got deficient cold. But what if it's a fire blazing? Could be either one. Not my problem. Heart, you never have time to sit back and shoot the breeze. What are you always so busy doing over there? Storing the spirit. I thought you might be responsible for all that thudding we keep hearing. Thudding? As in pounding? As in the heart pumping? Not my thing. I'm more of an emotions guy. You should ask the spleen about the thudding. It's enough to make your cold deficient or your heat proficient. Which one do I have again? 
The links between the organs and the focus of the acupuncturist are the meridians, which we have 14 of, 14 major ones anyway. There are 365 acupuncture points that are used to rebalance the harmonies between the organs. A similar practice called moxibustion involves the application of heat at those same points. Is that like the hot rocks stuff? Yeah, yeah, hot rocks. Uh, Don't we cup now too? Is cupping a Chinese thing? Olivia, do you know about cupping? I don't know if it's a Chinese thing. I just know that's a thing that people do. Like, Is it meridian-based? It's on your back. Oh. It's just... I don't just actually on know your if back. it's on... I've only seen people get it on their back. But people my age go and, like, do it. Get cupped all the time. Yeah, I see it all the time on, like, social media. Which is a weird thing to put on social media. Because your back looks weird afterwards. Yeah, it's just, like, a huge octopus came and, like... Smacked you. <laughs> oh, I love octopuses. So, uh, anyway, so the hot rocks probably wouldn't do that to your back, though. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why they yeah. why they like it so but the much. Cupping, like, <laughs> Wait, so are these meridians? Talks? Are these like up and down or horizontal? Like what, uh, they go them? in multiple directions throughout your body. They're tracing paths between your organs. So you've got a few going down the center of your body vertically, stretching down into your arms and down into your pelvis. Yeah, all directions. I think cupping is to like remove specifically like toxins, right, from the body. I thought is it was to same? loosen up like muscles that are like knots oh maybe you might know better than me probably not not? i've heard like one thing (laughs) why not both either way it's sounding like nothing to do with chinese medicine (laughs) the more we talk about it that's why i was like now that i'm thinking about it all right so much for cupping uh so much it's interesting this number 365 is interesting right because it's the number of days in a year Uh, But we're going to find in the Mayan episode, which is the next one. Wow, this is the end of healing. We're moving on to the apocalypse. James is making crazy eyes at me. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. We're heading on to the Mayans. But there are these weird confluences of numbers that repeat themselves, particularly when it comes to time. So I don't know what it means that there are 365 acupuncture points and there are 365 days in the year, but seems important. Yeah. I agree. Sounds like a coincidence (laughs) to me. You never know. Much of disease can be traced to the actions of qi, or qi as Brandon called it. Qi is the life force residing beneath the physical surface of the universe that we experience. It is the cause, the means, and the outcome of all change. And change is the focus of treatment. The basic principle is that things influence each other by drawing out inherent elements in each other. This is called ganying, or resonance. Our organs have resonance, and the things that come in contact with them have resonance. And it's through resonance that medicine works. So, for example, uh, people can bring out anger or calm in each other. If you have a very excitable person, the people around them, you know, they can get kind of agitated. If you have someone who's very calm, they can have a very calming influence on others. Or like if I yawn, and then you yawn? Ah, yeah. Sure, why not? It's like an echo. Right. Uh, if you have someone who's very aggressive, there's a couple of ways, right? They could make you aggressive or they could cause you to become calm in response to try to balance them out. That's the resonance of the organ with whatever substance is influencing it. So medicine is intended to draw the healthy out of the diseased. A particular chi might bring about healing, for example, if a medicine that's used connects on its frequency and draws it forth to balance the element causing disease. You got me? You would have to know which 
if it's like a yin or a yang right. kind of energy. Yeah, okay. are we having or too organ. much yin or too much yang? And then how can we draw out the opposite force to create balance again? Our personal chi came initially from our parents at conception and continues to come from the things we eat and the air we breathe. It is in constant motion in our bodies, and it can easily enter states of flux where it's uh, sort of transforming and changing. And that's what we need to be mindful of, keeping it transforming and changing in a balanced way and not creating imbalance inside of us as it goes through this process. So, chi is common to all of creation, but our spirits separate us as animals from animals. We are also animals. Human animals. Humanimals. Humanimals that like danimals. I don't know what's happening anymore. Again, I've lost it. What's happening? You don't know a danimal? Dan- dan- it's, it's, it's a yogurt on the go. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like from our generation, though. Are they sponsoring us? Because if they're not... We're yeah, going to move drink on. Them in like one second. Like yeah, I'm pretty sure they're bankrupt. <laughs> no, you can still buy them. Yeah. I bought them a, not that long ago. If they thought about sponsoring us, though, James, probably not anymore. Oh, Danimals, if you're listening to us, please uh, send us money. <laughs> or Danimals, I suppose. You guys still yes. like them? Are you yeah, that's yogurt's even really better. Good. It's like an energy shot of yogurt, though. Yeah. You don't even have to chew it. So our spirits are what separate us <laughs> from animals. Who don't have them. Our overall spirit has five component parts. We have our consciousness, or yi, our non-physical soul, or hoon. (laughs) Yi! I just like that one. Our will, or z. Z. Our heart spirit, which connects us with uh, others, with other people. And our temporal animal spirit, or po, which is (gasps) comprised of our passions. Oh, I, that's in Legend of Zelda. The Poe is the crazy spirit that you put in a jar. That's true. I've put many a Poe in a jar. I think that might also be because of Edgar Allan Poe, though. What? Yeah, that's my understanding <laughs> of where they... figurines For real? Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I think so. I think that the, legend, that the Japanese took it from Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> it's, am I blowing your mind right now? Yes, okay. I am. <laughs> I mean, they could have also taken it from Chinese medicine, but uh Yeah. I feel like that would have been a closer thing for them to grab than a grab. Right, but it's like graveyard ghosts. That's pretty poey. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, so is your animal spirit, or Poe. I'm going to do some research on this, and we'll talk about it next episode. Cool. The problems that can throw our system out of balance are categorized into the six pernicious influences. What's pernicious mean? Bad for you. Okay, like thanks. The seven deadly sins. Yeah. Right, but there's only, there's one less, so oh, that's, you can that's nice. be more rest more assured. More condensed. One less thing coming for you. Uh, so we have dampness. Of it, course. <laughs> yeah. Da- what? Do go on. Dampness is when our system, which should be in a constant state of transformation, gets bogged down and stops flowing. Oh, that was very different than what I thought. It was going to be. I thought it was like when you put on a wet sock that's like not quite dry yet, but you like just. Yeah, it's just uncomfortable, man. But in your organs, mucus is a prime sign of dampness. Lungs? Yes, stomach? Is it just me or is it a little damp in here? It's always damp in here. That's the way it's supposed to be. Wind, which moves transformation along too rapidly without the smoothness and evenness we're meant to experience. Lungs? Yes, stomach? Do you feel a draft? 
You're encased in muscle and skin. It is physically impossible for you to feel a draft. Cold, which contracts our innards and causes obstructions. Lungs? Yes, stomach? It's just you. It is not cold in here. Heat or fire, which are part of the way our system operates, but can become too much of a good thing and cause fever. Lungs? Yes, stomach? If you didn't answer her, eventually she'd get the hint. Finally, a dryness and summer heat, which are less common and result in things like dehydration or sudden fever. Lungs? Yes? Stop it! Just stop it! To avoid these problems, we need to maintain emotional balance, first and foremost. If we no! Have... <laughs> but you must, James. Can you not make me deaf, please? <laughs> Olivia's got the earphones on, FYI. Uh, If we allow our emotional states to enter periods of excess, then uh, it will echo back on our physical state. This is, uh, incidentally, an idea that we had in the Middle Ages uh, over the concept of humors. In Western medicine, we believed that emotion could influence your humors. And if you got excited, they would pull in one area or another, and that's why we would leech you. Who Who would leech? Me. And a others, doctor. a doctor. Maybe that's where the cupping came from. The leeches. Oh, that yeah, seems, that's that a Western a, thing. Yeah. It's no, not a Chinese thing. Like, have you thing. ever had a leech attached to you? Um, actually, Olivia, I have not. Oh, it's very weird. I believe that. Yeah, I believe you too. I like ripped it off of me though, which you're not supposed to do. Oh. You're supposed to burn it. Was that accidental, or did you go for uh, cupping and they leached you? Well, I didn't purposely get the leech on. Yeah, me. that's what I'm asking. Because some people do. No, it it was by accident. Where were you? In the bayous of Louisiana? In the Chesapeake. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Not our own estuary. Yeah. Diet should be regular in terms of what we eat, and when we eat, without too much raw food, fatty food, grease, or sugar. That's like it's about 100% balance. my diet. Yeah. Sugar you eat and fatty food. Raw Animal fatty foods. food yeah. that have been greased thoroughly. Yes. Like sushi. Buttered sushi. Fried. Uh. <laughs> Fried in sugar. Uh, we should enjoy sex, friends, in a measured but consistent way. So you should have some sex, but not too much sex. You should also remain physically active on the same terms. So no m- running marathons. But by all means, have a nice walk around the block. Okay. Nothing in excess. You got me? I like this middle way yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's very Buddhist. In, yes. in a, yeah. So, the Chinese traditional physician treats the whole person rather than focusing on a single complaint. So, if you come in complaining about headaches, they'll examine your emotional state and ask about your living conditions. That sounds annoying to the Westerner. I feel like Westerners are not about that. Right, yeah. If you're like, man, my foot hurts. And they're like, well, you know, what? Are you, do you have a carpeted house or not? Uh, no, I don't have a carpeted house. Interesting. And could you tell me about your relationship with your parents? No. Get out of here. I'm, right? I'm, I'm gonna get, I, my foot hurts. <laughs> Give me a pill. <laughs> Wrap it up. Uh, so, so they consider the color of your face, the state of your tongue, the way you smell, whether you're experiencing hot or cold sensations, pain, sleep, appetite, perspiration, excretions, digestion, urine, and the feel of your pulse. The pulse is checked at three levels of pressure to identify one of roughly 28 types of pulse in the patient. Your complaint is just one element of a much larger picture of disharmony. So it's sort of like the tip of an iceberg. 
you are the iceberg. And the fact that the tip hurts is a sign that something needs to be done to your whole, not to just your part. When you say the pulse is checked at three different levels, how do they change the level of pressure? Do they have like like one of those arm things? Oh, no, it's just their hand. And they just, they manually kind of... Yep, they change the amount of pressure they're placing where they're taking the pulse. That's very innovative. Also traditional. So the opposite? (laughs) (laughs) Well, coming from where I'm sitting, you know, that's new to you. Yeah, it's new to you. I feel like you just press down at different intensities. Yeah, that's basically what they're doing. It's okay, Shannon. James is impressed. Let him have this. Yeah, there's 28 types of pulse. That's nuts. It's a whole lot of pulses. You're right. But yeah, There's... we're going to let you enjoy that, James. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was very confused earlier, so I have no room to talk. All right, let's get to the root of this thing, which, in my opinion, is the penetrating divine illumination. That is the root of Chinese traditional medicine. Penetrating divine illumination? Penetrate, pa 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 penetrating divine illumination. Uh, And that really brings the whole system together and helps us make sense of it in the light of things like science, for example, and empirical evidence, because traditional Chinese medicine has, at best, a fairly tangential connection to empirical observation. All right, so it's hard to wrap our heads around the idea that the spleen, for example, is not the physical spleen, but a kind of abstract conceptual spleen. The same can be said for... (laughs) Yes... It's, it is your spleen, but it's also not your spleen. It's your conceptual spleen. This is true of wind and cold and summer heat as well. So when you're suffering from an excess of summer heat, they, ki- they don't literally mean summer heat is in your spleen. It's an it's a abstract conceptualization of the complaint that you're having. You got me? Maybe you don't. No. <laughs> All right, let me try to explain well, better. kind of like... Uh, how we talked about the soul, it's like, you know, our mind isn't our brain, but like, I don't know, it's kind of like the spleen. It's not just like a physical spleen. It's like, it has spiritual components in in a way Uh, we really have to think about it, not in terms of the patient, but in terms of the doctor, the doctor is operating on an intuitive level here. So the diagnosis isn't really literal, it's conceptual, um, but not purely conceptual because it has physical results. That's where it gets all sort of confusing, that there's a real spleen, but also a figurative spleen. Because there really are physical symptoms that lead to a diagnosis of heat. You come in and say, you know, my stomach feels this way, and they're going to ask you about real physical conditions in your house, in your life. They're going to check your pulse, which is a physical thing. All these things seem like they're part of the physical world, but then the diagnosis process is going to take a step outside of the physical world. The physician's understanding and recommendation are all based on 2,000 years of trial and error. This also seems to have an evidence-based component, but all of this trial and error really is happening, like I said, at the intuitive level. The underlying yin and yang theory is philosophical. It's not empirical. It's not scientific. Much like the organs and the meridians and the wind and the dampness, it's all taking place on a philosophical level. It's all abstract. Even though they interact with and are intended to have a direct impact on the physical world by healing an actual literal physical complaint, 
they're nevertheless abstract. So that brings us to the penetrating the divine illumination, or Tong Shen Ming. According to Ted Kapchuk in his book, The Web That Has No Weaver, there are three levels of artistry in the physician's process. The first level is seeing how the whole shapes the part. So if we're looking at our uh, you know, white belt, is that, is that the lowest belt? White belt, I, uh, the lowest belt I think would be no belt. No belt. We're looking at, well, no, this is a belt. You got a belt. You've done a thing because you can do this where you realize how the whole shapes the part. It's like looking at something but keeping its context in mind. Yeah, it's it's uh, when you come in and say I have a headache and uh, I ask you all these questions about you and I can see how your whole circumstances have caused your head to feel this way. Oh, I see. But now if we're moving up from our white belt, so you've earned a belt if you can do that. So you're getting like, a, what's your middle belt? There's a yellow belt. Isn't that just the next one? Yeah. Okay, let's go with the green belt. Green belt. The green belt, that's right by College Park. That's right. Green belt. Uh, sorry for our Maryland listeners. No one else. Like one Maryland. person will be like, ah. <laughs> yeah, like like on, on the late show, they're like, clapping in the back. Right. Woo! Green belt. Uh, where, where were we? <laughs> the middle belt. Right, the middle belt. Uh, the second level is, uh, where are we at here? The second level is how the part shapes the whole. Ooh. Yeah. So you can come in and I can, I don't know, grab your head and know how you're feeling throughout your whole body. Because of the way that your head feels. Yes. Or your pulse. You you can tell about the whole state of me. Can get the whole picture. Cool. All right. So that's your green belt level. Here we're doing a lot of thinking in terms of yin and yang and the various components that we've discussed. The third and highest level grasps the totality in an immediate way. This third level strips away everything extraneous to permit an intuitive and instantaneous diagnosis. Kapchuk quotes the legendary ancient physician Bian K. Qui. Q. Your way of using techniques is like peeping through a tube to see the sky or looking for the pattern in things by peering through a crack. Kapchuk talks about how his teacher could diagnose a patient based on the patient's phone call to schedule the appointment. So you call you call up and you're like, hey, uh, could you tell me if you have any openings tonight? He's like, so I understand that you're suffering from a series of complaints in your stomach. Is that right? Yes. How did you know? You want an appointment on Tuesday, don't you? I am free on Tuesday. This is the divine penetrating illumination. You grasp the totality just from the sound of the person's voice. You know their health condition in its entirety. That's amazing. If it were, yeah, if it, if it, if you can do it, yeah. If you're a black belt in these things, then you can do this in theory. And this is intuitive. It's entirely intuitive. There's no empirical, there's no judging, there's no pulse. All of these things that we've been talking about so far are really just ways of training the doctor to be able to have that immediate intuitive grasp of the patient's condition. You learn this and you study this so that you can have this very subjective, it's like... Um, Medical improv? Yeah. You're building your unconscious as like a muscle. And that's what all of these conceptual organs and things are essentially doing, is building your unconscious's ability to process medical problems in an intuitive way and spit out an answer immediately without you even having to think. 
That's the opposite of how we train our brains in our <laughs> <Yes>. society. <laughs> so how many things can you memorize consciously? We've talked at length on this podcast about how analysis can get in the way of a genuine encounter with higher truth. By higher truth, we mean a truth that comes from a non-rational source, the depths of the subconscious, the sublime encounter with nature, the divine inspiration of God. The penetrating divine illumination is the most powerful and profound tool of the Chinese traditional physician, and it follows this model. All the conceptual complexities of Chinese medicine only exist to then develop, as we're saying, the healer's intuitive capacity to grasp and treat the patient as a total person without rational analysis getting in the way. So, why is an intuitive system of any value to us in the West? Clearly, we've gotten on board. There are acupuncture places in every town in America, give or take. You can reach one from wherever you're at right now, probably, if you're in America. I don't know how well they do in Australia. I can't speak to that. I've never been to Australia. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll find out. If you're an Australian listener, let us know if you have acupuncture places. It's closer closer to China, so that would make sense. Anyhow. Uh, rationality. One of the point I want to make here is that rationality has its limits. Let's say a Western doctor encounters a patient with 10 symptoms uh, that in 99 cases out of 100 indicate that the pa- patient has... Let's say, for example, confessuitis. It's a disease you get from not listening to occult confessions enough. (laughs) Yes. So rationally, the doctor should begin treating that patient for confessuitis right away. (laughs) But in this case, our patient does not actually have confessuitis, but a completely different combination of diseases that have not been fully categorized by Western medicine. Oh, so he's the 1%. He's the 1%. Right? You go into, like, okay, we can put this more in the physical world. You go into your doctor and you're like, I don't know, I'm having some uh, burning down south. And your doctor's like, well, you know, looks like you got the old uh, clap there. Because, uh, you know, 99 times out of 100, you got the clap. But guess what? You don't have the clap. You were just swimming in some bad, boggy water with Olivia by the Chesapeake. So there's a leech in there? <laughs> I don't, ooh, ouch. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> Olivia, is there a leech in there? In the in the Chesapeake Bay, there is. What about down? Is that a nickname for something else? <laughs> leech in the Chesapeake Bay. We're talking about it. We're talking about a, bur- a burning a burning down down under. Oh, was there a leech there? Yeah. Not for me. No, there's not a leech there, James. Oh, okay, cool. nasty. Okay, so but here the doctor would be wrong, right? Because you know, he, 99 times out of 100, it's the clap. But this time, it's not the clap. It's uh, the bayou. So what? Do you, or the bay. So the doctor's going to miss the mark here, and he's going to treat and test and try to figure this out. That's Western medicine's approach. The Chinese medicine approach is to intuitively grasp you as a whole, to not try to diagnose you based on generalizations and case studies, but to treat you as an individual. It's a very different way of thinking. It doesn't seem like that can be mass-produced very very well. Uh, No, because it's based on the artistry of the doctor. It depends on the generation and how many geniuses they have, I guess. Rationality is at its root generalizing based on evidence, but individual cases can fall outside the generalized case study. This is basically an argument we've been making since episode one. All those abnormal cases, everything outside the norm, where the paranormal resides, where the supernatural resides, where the occult resides. Chinese traditional medicine dwells in this outside space as well. 
the existence of the rule-breaking phenomenon or event proves that a purely materialistic scientific theory does not grasp the whole of existence, nor does traditional Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine addresses those aspects of diagnosis and treatment that reside outside the limits of Western medical science. The traditional Chinese medical system itself resembles a lot of occult systems, which are designed to inspire and navigate the subconscious or the intuition. Mastering the system leads to an ability to achieve this third, highest, penetrating, intuitive response. Compare this with Western systems that achieve similar results, like tarot or alchemy. These are complex symbolic systems that are deeply self-referential and that form what we call a closed loop. They refer back to themselves, and their logic only exists within themselves, really. The system validates itself within its own separate paradigm, in other words. It's then difficult to evaluate it from the outside. Do the tarot cards allow me to accurately reflect on my own or others' life experience? My life is separate from the cards and forms test conditions for my divination. Does traditional Chinese medicine actually affect physical improvements in the condition of patients? Anecdotally, yes. This is why it survived both the Chinese Communist Party and successfully made a transition into a Western context. Statistical studies should continue to explore the validity of these techniques for any population, but whether or not they match the standards of the statistical landscape, we cannot deny their impact on the individuals who choose to believe or come to believe in them. In other words, the point I'm trying to make is Western science, Western medicine tackles one aspect of your health. Chinese medicine is really filling in a gap in this other aspect. You can't just turn to Chinese medicine and say, heal me. But we're missing something if we're only turning to Western medicine to say, heal me. It really does make me wonder how they would feel about something like DMT. Go on. That's really it. That's <laughs> just makes me wonder. You mean as a means of using the subconscious or unconscious mm-hmm. as a healing tool? Yeah. I mean, that it's sort of switching the system, right? Because the patient is healing themselves, the, yeah. the person who's taking the medication. It feels more but shamanistic argue, the way we talked about it. It's not a very, like, taking DMT isn't a very, like, midway thing. I'm, I'm I mean? sorry, Rob. I'm starting to recall. Is there something about the Yellow Turban Rebellion? Do they do hallucinogenics in the yellow turban was that a thing uh within the secret societies uh i actually don't remember but <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man i thought i was trying to I, I thought as i was speaking maybe it would it would come back to me i mean they certainly they believed in in some intense stuff they believed in supernatural things I don't think we talked necessarily about hallucinogens. In our in our werewolf episode, we talked about y- using hallucinogens for warfare. Yes, but that wasn't in the East. No, it was not in China. I agree. Because if, well, wait, did China, was opium big in China? Yes, but it was imported. Right, but I was just wondering if they thought, well, I guess that's not healing. Yeah, no, opium had, didn't come into play with this system. Yeah. I mean, the, the difference between the drug and the Chinese medicine, medical system here is that you're really training your conscious intellectual self to do this work, to start thinking outside of the paradigms of rationality and logic and to function in this separate closed-loop paradigm. But that's all happening within your conscious mind, within your intellectual mind, the mind that we bring into play here on the podcast. You're not trying to shut it off or force your mind out of its consciousness into an unconscious space like you would with something like psilocybin. But is it really a closed loop, though? Because isn't this 
system, kind of the same system that they have for a lot of their like like for instance kung fu, the the whole balance, the 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 treating the different parts, the whole and the parts. I would say all this stuff we're talking about the organs and stuff oh, is yes. a closed loop, but Taoism as an informing force falls underneath a, a lots of other practices as well. Also Confucianism. Good talk. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh Switch over to the Order of Confessors. We want to thank Zenthropologist. How about that one? Uh, Zenthropologist has been looking for a podcast that takes occult history seriously. Here we are. Uh, also, likes uh, that we did some Chinese topics, and uh, here we are. Then doing you'll, Chinese topics. You'll like this one. There you go. Thank you, Zen. All right, so Shannon, what's been going on on the old uh, social medias? stuff so we have um more pictures that brie has been posting for us or drawing for us that, um, so she's doing an illustration per episode is that right yes she is and they're really cool um i think we're going to turn them into postcards at some point oh yeah we can get them onto the old uh, merch yeah you got that olivia merch merch it up <laughs> merch uh, we also have a twitter if anyone wants to wander over there <laughs> uh, the twitter it's basically the same stuff um i don't post as many goofy things on it that's mostly it's more of a serious space twitter strictly serious yeah as far as i can tell that's the way the president that's where presidents of the united states do uh, communicate their most important thoughts so <laughs> exactly. we don't want to mess around on twitter <laughs> yeah well uh, it's just mostly like oh it gives like reminders like oh hey we just posted our latest episode or Here's a picture that Brie made this week. and Serious presidential business. Yes, yes. very serious presidential uh, Twitter business. I concur. Mm-hmm. While we're on the order of confessors, uh, our confessors can meet us, can they not, if they'd like to, if they happen to be in the Baltimore area. That's right. We have the Call of Cthulhu going on at the Charm City Fringe Festival uh, for the next week. You can see us be all spooky for spooky season. And we're going to try to get some of that onto the internet for our folks who are further away. I'm not sure what the plans are for that, but uh, we'd like to at least get some images up, maybe some segments of the show for folks to check out. So look for that. That'll, that would be you, right, Instaquisitor? Oh, yes. Yeah, get on that. Also, before I forget, um, our Twitter is not Occult Confessions. It's Podcast Occult because... Because I couldn't do occult confessions. Yes. <laughs> it was taken. No, yeah, it was a it, spelling issue, I think. Oh, we spelled it wrong. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why couldn't we do it? It just was taken or something. That's really weird because it's not taken anywhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really investigate that much. I just gave us a different name. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't going to fight the system. Didn't no, give it much thought. Just, right. What was I going to do? Message Podcast them and occult. be like, give me your... Name? Give me my name. <laughs> well, we are podcast occult, so I, 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 I think that's fine. Yeah. Describes us. Yeah. Let's close this up. We're a podcast. We talk about occult things. Podcast occult. Mm-hmm. Closing it up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors till such a time as we get together and do it again. The voices of our organs today. We had uh, Brooke Mayoral playing our stomach. We had uh, Dan Rosendale, who's been a regular lately on our voices, playing the role of lungs. 
we had Hunter Sheeler as the uh, heart, and I don't know if you recognize yours truly in the role of Spleen. They're all such lovely people. I wouldn't have cho chosen a different group of people to play organ. Or different people to play those particular organs. Exactly. Spleen was the role I was, I've always dream dreamt of playing. When so I got mine in. removed. Really? Did you? Because that sounds dangerous. No. Okay, good. I think you need that. <laughs> Pretty sure you're going to require that. <laughs> so joining me around the circle uh, is James Coplanges, captain of the table. Yes, it's been a great time. And Shannon Landers, our Instaquisitor. And Olivia Litterall, our Grand Master. Goodbye, everyone, and look at our merch. Look at that merch and the grams and things. Uh, we got Brandon Walls did our brief history today. Thank you, Brandon. And uh, also played uh, Bianchi. Me, my name is Rob C. Thompson. I am the supreme hierophant of our secret order of alchemical actors and doctor of things occult. This is the end of our spiritual healing series, and we are sad to see it go, but we are excited. Oh, thank you, James. Uh, we are excited to get started next time. Yeah. With our very... <laughs> You're preemptively excited with our very first episode in a series many of our listeners I know have been anxiously awaiting, as have the alchemical actors. That's right, friends. It's time for the apocalypse. Yeah! We'll be starting with the Mayans and 2012 uh, next, next time. So we look forward to catching you again and sharing with you more stories of things occult. Oh, that's what I thought we were going to do. I thought Are you I'm sure you didn't have a few white claws no. before you came in? I was just... I see what you're saying. What I was going to say... <laughs> no. What I else you I thought we were just going to say, it's not like a comment word. I was just going to say something stupid. I was like, bye. Because you're like, oh, we had our instant visitor. I was going to be like, also, the representative of the ginger folk. But it's not like worth saying like on his own. Like, by the way, I'm the representative. <laughs> oh, at the, at the end, everything comes That's out. That's actually pretty funny. Eight seconds. <laughs> and then, I'm the representative of the ginger folk. <laughs> you should do that. That's pretty funny, actually. It's like they're waiting for like the next track to start. Good night. <laughs> I'm your friendly representative of the ginger folk. <laughs>